Last week in uh, discussing the trial of Jesus, we described two notions of truth and these two ideas coming into conflict. In one, truth is an empty construct, and in the other, Christ is the truth, and this truth is equated with life. Today on Pentecost Sunday, we can describe, I think, two notions of language that very much fit this. On the day of Pentecost, the word of Christ takes up residence in the human heart, in the indwelling, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And the action of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus will say, is going to guide into all truth. And so according to Jesus, the the gift of the Holy Spirit, we know, is the gift of life. So the truth and life of Christ become our truth and life through the gift of the Spirit. So this is then the crucial moment in the founding of the church. So let's look at Acts chapter 2 and read a portion of this. The Jews are gathered for the Feast of Pentecost, derived from the Greek word for the 50th day, which stood for the, the festival celebrated on the 50th day after Passover. And Pentecost is a celebration of life. It's also the harvest festival. And so here is the true harvest of life. In terms of the Christian calendar, we're 10 days removed from the ascension of Christ. We're 49 days removed from Easter. So reading from Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and we were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking... Galileans, and how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. And so here is the founding moment of the church. And uh, the known world is represented here in these Jews from these various lands and uh, that uh, though they're Jews, they're Jews who have come and gathered in from all the world. One way of thinking of, of Pentecost is a kind of reversal as the event at Babel. It reverses Babel. You know, Babel was the moment when the 
the world that is constructed, built by man, divides people out and they're split and they spread all into the world. Now the world is gathered in. Babel is a kind of failure of language, maybe going even you know back to the early chapters of Genesis. But here the, the uh, power of God, the spirit of God, the effective presence of God is building an alternative. Here is the alternative kingdom. Uh, one kingdom is built on you know, Babel, built on human culture, but Babel is just representative of every culture, right? Uh, but the church is built on the presence of God, on the promise of God. And in Babel, the whole point of Babel is they're going to build this tower so they'll stay there. It'll be static. The day of Acts, you know, if uh, the, sign, the sign here is partly here in Pentecost, but of course the book of Acts, from here the, the church is going to spread out. This is a story in which people are continually moving. Here is God spreading his kingdom out into the world. Um, Babel, they're going to use human technology to build this fine tower. Um, but the church is built for and by God. It is not dependent upon our technology, upon our know-how, but it's the work of God. Babel, they're picturing as storming the heavens. You know, they're going to uh, break through the gates of heaven. They're going to make a name for themselves. But here, it's the name of Christ that is being made great. And it's not that it's something that we're taking for ourselves. But here is the gift of life given to us by God. And God will make, instead of making a name, God will make a nation. Here is the prophecy of Joel fulfilled, that all the nations of the earth in some way are symbolically represented. We might think of Babel as a kind of death resistance, that they would spread out, they would lose their identity. By Peter standing up on this day, by the, you know, they had kind of been hiding out up to this point, but they're getting out and they're publicly proclaiming this. It just seems to be taking place even in the courtyard of the temple. They're going to cause a stir. They're going to be arrested right after this. The implication of the gift of life is that death no longer controls them. They are willing to face the Roman, the Jewish authorities. There is the sense that in the Old Testament that there is a kind of falsehood, that man is given a sign. You know, even Abraham is given the sign of circumcision. But in some way there is a gap that the sign and what it signifies do not go together. But here the sign and what it signifies, the word and the thing that the word signifies are brought together. The subject in Christ has been joined to the reality of God in Christ. Paul, you know, pictures it as a kind of incapacity, you know, of in, in, uh, un, we're unable to do what we want to do but through the living uh, the gift of life through the the gift of the holy spirit we are living in the power of the spirit we belong to christ we're able to walk as he walked no longer is there, is there a gap between our will and our you know ability to carry out that will so i think that babel is representative of the human condition we've chosen an empty word uh, think back to Genesis, you know, the knowledge of good and evil. 
Adam goes from using language to name. He's a powerful part of participant in creation. And then after partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, there is a kind of incapacity. And so I think that language plays a key role throughout Scripture. I mean, just the fact that the Jews are called the people of the book. There are people who identify themselves in and through the word of God. And so, too, we uh, identify who we are. So where the lie of sin is understood as, you know, think of here, a lie, a deception. Uh, That's most significant if we understand that God comes to us in and through a word. And so the lie of sin is the engine of death. And being joined to God, entering into communion with God, communication with God through the Spirit, is the reception of two things simultaneously. Truth and life. The truth in this instance is not an abstraction, you know, a philosophical truth, but a life-giving truth which counters the death-dealing lie of sin. So the lie, you know, is going to cause us to enter into suffering and death. And the power of this death then is undone on the day of Pentecost. And the third thing, we need to maybe make three connections. Truth, life, and love. Uh, That it's the love of God given to us that's poured out in Christ, you know, through the Spirit. It's through the Spirit that these realities are opened to us. Paul says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness? Love, life, truth trumps death. The love of God in Christ by the Spirit. Paul says the Spirit can be equated with life. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. So the Holy Spirit is the one who indwells believers. He writes God's law in the heart. That is that we're actually, our characters are changed or being transformed. He's transforming us into children of God that we you know, can cry out, Abba, Father. That the Holy Spirit bears witness to Christ. The Holy Spirit does not point to himself, but points completely to Christ. And as Christ said, leads into all truth. So the Spirit is the source of life, the gift of life. The one who enables us to put on the mind of Christ. Paul says the Spirit is God's righteousness given to us. The Spirit is resurrection power that he gives life to your mortal bodies. That in baptism we are raised up. But that will be completed at the second, you know, at the, the resurrection of of our bodies in salvation. So you put to death the deeds of the body. We're already living out this resurrection life through the Spirit, through the adoption of sons, that the Spirit helps us in weakness and prayer, that he intercedes for us with groanings, you know, beyond our capacity to articulate. The body is dead because of sin, Paul says, but the Spirit is a counterpower of life. And so the Spirit gives righteousness uh, of God. There's the promise of life. That here is the righteous decree of the law fulfilled. 
And this enables us to walk as Christ walked. To uh, carry out the Sermon on the Mount. To actually do what Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, That we, in all of the phases of power of life, you know, that we are able to do what Christ did. And this is the, you know, emblematic here that in Peter's sermon that he gets up and he explains this after. He says, what's this all about? Well, he's saying this is about Jesus whom you crucified. Uh, That the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of Christ, is the one who enables us to walk as Jesus walked, to to face death as Jesus faced. Uh, This Jesus God raised up, he says to them, to which, and we are all witnessing to that. Look at Acts Uh, verse 32 in the same chapter therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the father the promise of the spirit he has poured forth that which you see in here the life of Christ is being shared through the spirit he was raised and death then could not hold him and neither can it hold you those who follow him God raised him up Peter said putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Death is the reigning power that Jesus confronts. Uh, this, and then, you know, we, if he's there, maybe he's even gesturing to the tomb of David. And he quotes David's psalm, I saw the Lord always in my presence. For he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh will also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or the grave, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the way of life. And so Peter gestures perhaps to the tomb of David, Brethren, I know that David is in this tomb and that his body remains. And what David is speaking of is Jesus, the Messiah, the one who has been raised up. Christ has overcome death and through his life, death and resurrection, through the power of the Spirit, then we have resurrection life. We can take up this word and walk. And so the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with us is the divine fellowship. That is salvation. It doesn't near, merely correspond to the fellowship in the Trinity. It is that fellowship itself. In the fellowship of the Spirit, we're linked to the very life of God. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I think we're seeing the fulfillment of John 17 in Acts chapter 2. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. 
truth, life, love come together then. So as much as the sign on Pentecost is a proof that the kingdom of God is established, well actually the greater proof is what unfolds from this day in the rest of the book of Acts. The preaching and spread of the kingdom from Jerusalem to Antioch to Samaria to Asia Minor to Rome to the ends of the earth. Let's sing.